You're listening to Never Sleeps Network. Welcome to The Express with Bilal Bakani. Um, I think Survivor Series is a wasted opportunity, but here to chat about it, of course, Daniel Shahori, he's always here. I can't get rid of him. He's from Second City. Nope. But we're joined by our mutual friend, Ari Goldkind. He's a criminal lawyer, a legal expert, a political commentator, and the host of the Ari Goldkind show on Sirius XM 167 Canada Talks. I hear there's a decent show after it, Ari, but thank you for joining us. I don't know anything about the Bilal Vakani Hour or who hosts it, so you'll have to fill that in. <laughs> no, I won't bore anybody else with more of those plugs. But Ari, you know, I kind of threw out my thesis for this pay-per-view, which is probably extending my vocabulary beyond where it needs to be. But at the end of the day, WWE has put as much planning into this uh, pay-per-view as I put into getting the three of us together to talk about it. Uh, how have you felt about the buildup to what was once one of the big four pay-per-views? I don't even think it is anymore. Well, you know, it's funny that you say that because growing up and if you have the network, you know, there's all these 1989, 1991, 1987 Survivor Series that, you know, I'm 47 years old. I actually watch again. It touches a chord in me. It strikes a chord from when I was a child and Hulk and The Undertaker's debut and all of these other things that really resonate for me. I mean, you're younger than me, but at 47, that time period, you know, 1987 to about 1992, those are etched in the mind. You then get to Bretton Austin, mm. you get to all the other things where the Survivor Series matches actually mattered. So it's, it's interesting that you ask that because I always think, and I, I tend to be right on this, that the most unappealing, not jump off the page pay-per-views tend to be the ones that are the most surprisingly good. Hmm. And this one, I think, is going to confirm that I'm going to be wrong because this one I'm not looking forward to. Hmm. If I had to pay $49.95, I wouldn't. It feels yeah. like an afterthought. And the thing that feels like an afterthought to me is that not only do the matches not make sense and aren't interesting, unless you take the Charlotte Becky yeah. behind the scenes drama as something that you're watching, which isn't part of it. To me, that's mm. not what professional wrestling is. The part of it that to me I can't just escape is that as a lifelong fan of WWF and E, and somebody, look, I, I'm a very successful criminal lawyer. I do media all day, every day. If Vince McMahon called me today and said, drop everything, you're coming to work for dub. That's always been my dream job to move to Stanford, Connecticut. But why do I say that to end my answer? When you have a card this uninteresting, this poor with stakes that nobody cares about, the brand against the brand, which have these drafts every three days anyway, they're on their <laughs> other shows. You know, this week it was the Usos kicking big, uh, you know, kicking Big E, mm. then Big E. Like, there is no brand. It's totally artificial. It tells us that we're stupid as wrestling fans, and enough people tell us we're stupid as wrestling fans. And I'll conclude here. When, a and when AEW is doing the best work you could ever imagine on pay-per-views, coming off of last Sunday's, sorry, last Saturday's pay-per-view, that I thought was mesmerizing. I didn't have my phone in my hand. I wasn't billing or doing work while I was watching it. This is a real disappointment to me from WWE that almost seems to be saying, we're just not that enthused by what we're doing anymore. Dan? I can't add to that. That's exactly how I feel. And, and Ari said it a lot better than I would have said it. So kudos. And for anyone listening, Dan, you're right in between me and Ari's ages. So like Ari, as you said, you're 47. I'm 33. no, I'm I'm older. I'm like I'm about to turn 48. Oh, oh my goodness, you age well though. Yeah, I'd but, say. 
Anyway, so let's get into the matches themselves. This sure. is always what it comes down to. What, what are the matches? Who's going to win? And, and Ari, you alluded to it here. I really think Becky Lynch and Charlotte Flair, if it doesn't main event this pay-per-view, it just shows WWE's inability to listen to people and to listen to the buzz around this card. This is really interesting. And I think what it comes down to is, do they still let Charlotte take a big win after the controversy? If you haven't, I'm not going to retell, like go check it out online. It's everywhere. But do they still, after she had her issues with them, after she was escorted out of the building for not agreeing with their terrible storytelling, do they still give Charlotte the bump or do they let Becky get this big win as she, you know, walks, they're both walking towards crushing, whether it be Liv Morgan or Tony Storm. They're about to annihilate two other women after this. But who do they give the bump to, Ari? Who do you think they actually put that little, you know, push? Well, I'll, I'll answer that in one second because I'm not convinced it's not a work. I'm not mm. convinced um, that it's not the two of them trying to make something very, very boring that we've seen before. Very interesting. They're two smart women. If mm. Paul Heyman doesn't have his hands in it, I'd be surprised. Um, I think I, I just I'm not convinced that it's real. I mean, I know everybody thinks it is and maybe it is. I, I'm not there yet. I actually think those two could have sat down and written this all out over three weeks and they're not hurting each other. I know Becky talked about trust. They're, they're not calling each other the worst names in the world. And it, I, I felt CM Punk and Eddie Kingston was more real. If you asked me, yeah. who do I actually and I know that wasn't real. I know that was the best of professional wrestling. Punk and King said, I know it wasn't real. But if you said to me, Bilal Vakani, would I have paid $35 to watch Punk and Kingston the other night? Yeah. I would have done it. And now, why do I say that? Because you said something that I actually disagree with, and I feel pretty strongly about it, that this should end the, the card. This should be the main event. I actually don't think so. Mm -hmm. I get that that's the progressive move and, 2021. Here's why. And I don't want to take up all the airtime. Daniel, I don't mean to outtalk you here. <laughs> um, I would watch Roman Reigns read a phone book right now. I don't think there's anybody more riveting who has taken a character that people were not excited about coming out. I know it's the love to hate, but I always call that X-Pac bad heat where you're like, I'm flipping the channel. I'm fast forwarding to the finish. From the time that Roman Reigns' first note of that new operatic music hits, I'm not moving anywhere. He has slowed his pace. He has slowed his cadence. He has changed a character that many of us, I bet many of us, including me, thought two, three years ago was probably past its best before date. And not only is his in-work in ring work better. It's more purposeful. It's more methodical. The man on the, you can't do what he's doing by teaching it at the performance center. Something has clicked in him and it's the same lesson that you get. I mean, I'm in a, in a lawyering business. I know there's another wrestler. I think it was Jake, the snake Roberts, that when he came in, everybody was a yeller and what you doing, brother, and the macho man with the voice. When Jake Roberts came in, what made him different, Jake the Snake Roberts, for those who don't know I'm talking about, he slowed everything down. He didn't raise his voice, and that made him have menace. And when Roman Reigns right now speaks and goes, wise man, or what he did the other night to Xavier Woods, who I wouldn't watch read the, the first page of a phone book. I find him obnoxious. 
Roman Reigns right now, to me, is the show. He is the main event. You take him off SmackDown. I don't think anybody watches that show right now. The Usos are a great compliment to him. Quite frankly, I think his brother should have been fired for all the impairments mm-hmm. that he's gotten to pass for. That's a different discussion, uh, Jimmy Uso. But Roman Reigns, to me, not only is the main, of sur- main event of Survivor Series, he is the head of the table. I mean that with some levity. And I just don't think, given that we're all fans, we're all critics, we're all, we read the Wrestling Observer and all this other stuff, What he's doing, even though he's at the top of the food chain, I think right now is not appreciated Mm. for how incredible a character pivot he's made. To me, it's on the equivalent of Hulk Hogan at his best before the milk has expired date, turning bad at Bash at the beach and giving him seven to eight years of massive Hollywood Hogan popularity. Daniel, I appreciate I'm not the only guest here. I'm sorry. I'll stop there. Yeah, be the tiebreaker, Dan. Uh, no, I get it. it should go on last for all the things that Ari just said. And coupled with Big E, he's also currently doing well in uh, in regards to uh, what I'm personally interested in. So absolutely, the bloodline with Big E should go on last. Yeah, look, that saves me previewing that match. Uh, I, I guess the question is, who do you give the win to? And this one I'm very conflicted on because... As you said, Ari, Roman is arguably the number one star in WWE. But if you were ever going to have him lose a match on pay-per-view where the title wasn't on the line and you could give a rub to a Big E, do you do it here? Me first or Dan? Yeah, go ahead, Ari. Sorry. Uh, One million trillion, 370 percent zillion. No. (laughs) Okay. Uh, I know wrestling is a work with the right story. Anybody can do a job and anybody can get pinned. You look at what they did, which was brilliant with Brock Lesnar. And I want to go back to Brock Lesnar from a couple months ago, what they did with him. Because by all metrics, if Brock Lesnar walks in a room, everybody should be dead. Okay? And that includes Roman Reigns. Brock Lesnar is different. He's different oxygen. He's Mount Everest. And I don't care what anybody says. When When his music hits, the temperature in the arena changes. Something changes vibe wise that not even Roman has. Now, I don't want Brock Lesnar to be good. I think Heyman, I I think it's all. But what's my point? The point is both of those men left that match as strong as they were before they came in. Brock didn't beat and kill Roman Reigns with a pinfall, but the finish made complete sense. Now, I don't like Adam Pearce, but I almost wish it wasn't a work. I wish Adam Pierce was actually roughed up by Brock Lesnar because he's, I don't think he's a good on-air performer. That being said, to your question about Big E, I know, and again, we're in 2021. I'm not lost on it. I know Big E is there because the world is changing. We're more progressive. The audience is changing and all of this. If somebody said to me right now, the Scotiabank Arena on December 30th. Let's do some kind of weird plug. Um, Big E's the main event. The mm. tickets are $75. Right now, when people are hurting, inflation is up. Mm. People are not wanting to sit next to people. Big E's in the main event against pick whoever you want. Mm. Would you pay $75? The answer is no. Mm. If Roman Reigns was in the main event at the Scotiabank Arena, on a house show, by the way, well, I don't care if it's a pay-per-view, mm-hmm. would you pay 75 The answer is yes. And if you go 
to, and I love Paul Heyman. So in fairness, I'm a Heyman fan because I think that guy reading a phone book is like reading Roar and Peace. <laughs> if you look at the metric here, which is putting asses in seats or getting people to go into their wallet, I don't care what anybody says. Big E doesn't make, I mean, maybe he makes some people, in fairness, I may not speak for them. But Roman Reigns is, let's use the word here, and then Daniel, over to you. He is the universal champion. He is universally incredible. Okay? Big E was elevated for all sorts of reasons. I think Big E would tell you that. And just because you earn it or you're there long enough doesn't mean that you're the whole fill-in-the-blank show. So at the end of the day, while I appreciate it's a work, it's non-title, Roman Reigns has had the title for 400 and something days. Just like the Prime Minister of Canada, Justin Trudeau, Roman Reigns should have the title. I mean, it's a criticism of Trudeau. He'll never not be Prime Minister until he chooses not to be. Roman Reigns should be champion until Roman Reigns and Paul Heyman says, here's a great reason for my shoulders to take a pin. And that includes a non-title match. Dan. Wow. He is likely... If we're if we're deciding who, if who's going to go over, I mean Roman is most ninety nine percent likely to go over. Uh, I could possibly see like 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 when they did with uh, Kenny Omega and Christian, but the, when they, when Christian took the the Impact yeah. Belt off of Kenny, I also didn't agree with that. I didn't agree with Kenny Omega losing to anybody at that point. I also just, for the same reason I don't agree with. Roman Reigns losing to anybody for any reason at this point. However, if you're going to do it, the, you know, but they also destroyed uh, the crown last night on, Mm -hmm. I thought maybe you could beat him to take the crown back and give it back to his buddy, but they already destroyed it. So there's no point. There's no point. Neither of them should lose, but uh, it's either Biggie loses or there's going to be some kind of screwy finish. I was going to say, we're probably giving them too much credit to assume there will be a finish in this match. Like, you, you're very right. Probably they could not. Just do a double count out. And below, before you get to your next, just to what Daniel said about the crown, I wasn't. That was one of the best segments in SmackDown history because Roman Reigns did something that resonated to the audience. And when it has that touch of a little bit of reality, a little bit of fakery, when he looked at Kofi Kingston on the ground and said, do you think I need this crown? Do you think I need this chair? Do you think I need your props? I thought that, now I don't know who wrote it. I don't know if that was Heyman, Roman Reigns, somebody that I've never heard of. That to me is why people watch wrestling because now you have the top dog, pun intended, because that's what he calls himself. But you have the head of the table saying, you know, I don't need these accoutrements that Xavier Woods needs to perhaps go from the first or second match, now that he's not New Day, to go up to the fifth match and be up there with Roman Reigns. So I actually think that last segment, and I'm not in charge of who gets credit and who likes what, I actually thought that was really clever in a sea of WWE where so much of the programming seems thrown together at the last second whereas AEW seems to be programmed. Here's the pay-per-view coming up four months. The pay-per-view will be January 15th in Jacksonville. I'm making that up. I don't know where the next one is. But these are the matches that are going to be at the pay-per-view in January 15th, and we're going to work backwards so that each match 
works great. That's what disappoints me of this, but I love that last segment. And, you know, Xavier Woods did it well. I mean, it doesn't work unless Xavier sells that he's not in Roman's league. But I thought that was a wonderful tinge of real life segment going, I don't need your Burger King crown to be the head of the table. Incredibly well said. All right, I'll do a reset, Ari, because now I'm getting flashbacks to when we did the Ari Goldkind show together. It's the Express. It's Bilal Vakani, lawyer Ari Goldkind, and the Second City's Daniel Shahori. We've gotten through the main events. Uh, I hope you enjoyed that because now we get to go through the rest of the card. Uh, we've got Team Raw versus Team SmackDown. If you didn't know, it's Seth Rollins, Finn Balor, Kevin Owens, before he goes to AEW, almost surely, Austin Theory, and Bobby Lashley. If you're wondering where the Mysterios went, Bobby Lashley and Austin Theory replaced them. Team SmackDown is Drew McIntyre, uh, King Woods, who we uh, alluded to a moment ago, Jeff Hardy, Happy Corbin, and Sheamus, who replaced Sami Zayn. Somewhat surprised that's not more of a conspiracy, but when we get to the Battle Royal later, we might get into that. But when I look at this uh, match, and I'll go to Dan first, who, out of fairness, I just, me and Dan do this all the time, Ari, so it's just always good to hear your opinions just for a change Absolutely. of pace. Um, but well, let's talk about this, because this is this Survivor Series men's match. I think you know, the, the best value in this, because the Raw versus SmackDown thing is so insequential. I don't even know how much we're going to talk about this. It's who's the sole survivor or the MVP who can elevate themselves to a title program. And the person who jumps off the page for me is Drew McIntyre. So by virtue of that, I think he has to lead Team SmackDown to victory here. Do you think that but Drew was going to be in that position anyways? Regardless of this, he would have been if not the next contender for Roman Reigns, like he's going to be uh, within the next few months. If not, if they're, if they hold off to the rumble or mania, he's going to be that contender. Uh, again, this, these two matches, the, the traditional survivor series matches are the epitome of, of why there's little interest in these shows. They were thrown together. They're constantly changing. Uh, they're announcing things over Twitter. Yep. Not even on the broadcast The whole show. team initially was, as you alluded to, Dan, announced over social media. So it, the big question is, who cares? I, it doesn't matter who wins. It's pro- but you're probably, you're probably right that Drew will, uh, assuming he's what? He's probably the biggest available name mm-hmm. in, in this match. So Drew will probably win. And who cares? Yeah, Ari, Seth already has a contract for a title shot. So what good would this do do him? I believe he lost to Edge in Saudi Arabia and turned around and was like, I'm number one contender now. It just took me one Uh, night. I thought that too, actually, because there's no internal logic to that. And I actually think a business that asks you to suspend disbelief should not ask you to suspend logic. Hmm. And so to me, you know, talking about Drew McIntyre, there's a character to me that's gone stale. This is somebody that's given the same interview for two years straight. I think not you, I mean, I think we all agree about how much WWE pipes in crowd noise, mm-hmm. how much of it is inauthentic. Yep. There's somebody that I think it's being piped in for. Uh, Becky Lynch is the number one um, piped in for person. Mm-hmm. I think that's well uh, understood. You can just watch the show and see it. Um, but I really think this is, Drew, Drew McIntyre, it has to be him and Seth and Kevin at the end. There can't be anybody else there. In fact, to me, it's like an undercard match where you just get rid of, I mean, Austin Theory, he takes pictures. Fascinating. I'm supposed <laughs> to be fascinated. Uh, has anybody heard of Tyler? Uh, what's his name? Tyler Breeze. Wasn't that his gimmick? 
very much six so. years ago with a selfie stick. I mean, I, I, I'm sorry, we're, we're now doing nostalgia for three years ago. So I actually find, you know, and Bobby Lashley, I think a lot more can be done with him. But to me, um, I'll end, it's just stupid. It makes no sense. And I don't know anybody ordering the Peacock Network to get their mitts on that match. Very well said. We'll move swiftly on to the Women's Survivor Series matchup. Again, five on five, Bianca Belair on Team Raw. One half, only one half of the WWE Women's Tag Team Champions, Rhea Ripley, Liv Morgan, who, as I mentioned, is going to face Becky Lynch for a title shot. Carmella uh, and Queen Selena, we have to address her as the queen. On Team SmackDown, we've got Captain Sasha Banks. Interestingly, Bianca does not have a captain designation, just for the record. Shotzi, we can't call her Blackheart anymore. That's gone. Shayna Baszler, Natalia. And Tony Storm, who replaced Aaliyah, who was taken off the team for being friends with Naomi and decided to team with Naomi the next week and was somehow surprised that she got screwed by a referee in the worst rendition of the Montreal screw job ever. Uh, Dan, when I look at this one, I look at it like the men's match. You've got Sasha Banks. I guess, I don't know if she's already had her match with Charlotte or not. I can't even remember, but they're not even talking about that. So this needs to be a platform for Liv Morgan. Like Bianca's already got some program with Dewdrop. Rhea Ripley and Carmella and Queen Vega are going to do a tag team title shot. I don't really care about the rest of Team SmackDown. So it's Liv Morgan and Team Raw by extension, uh, Dan, I would assume. Let's say it is Liv Morgan. Same thing as, as Drew McIntyre. She's going to be in line anyways. Hmm. Like what is, I don't see what anybody gets out of this winning. I don't care if it's one, two or three people. That or that end up on the winning team at the very end. Uh, if it's Liv, it's probably. I agree. It's probably going to be her. She probably might do it. I, I'm gonna, I was about to say it'll do her the most good, but what does that even mean? You know, she's possibly going to be released next month. Possibly, Ari. Yeah, I think that's a real. I think that's a great segue segue to where I was going with Liv Morgan, which is they haven't. The WWE hasn't learned their own lessons from Daniel Bryan at WrestleMania 30 and what's called Kofi Mania, which I always thought was sort of ginned up. I never thought it was anything close to Daniel Bryan at WrestleMania 30. It was sort of manufactured. Um, but what, there's a lesson there. Liv Morgan all of a sudden is the main event picture because she comes out with a, micro, a microphone, stands on the table and stares at Becky Lynch. Mm. What happened to the idea that you've got to run up some victories, that you've got to surmount insurmountable obstacles and get the crowd to genuinely believe you anybody who looks at the history of wrestlemania 30 with daniel bryan he didn't end up at the in the main event remember the first match was with hunter mm -hmm. but if you look at the six months prior to that the reason that was genuine the yes movement made it to espn msnbc and it was real yeah. he's that that stuff sold out without papering the Superdome, not the Silverdome, if you get that joke, the <laughs> yeah. Superdome. So the point of it is everything here is a missed opportunity. Somebody needs to explain to me, by the way, particularly in 2021, for anybody who can read between those lines, why when Queen Zelina and Xavier Woods become king and queen, now they have British accents <laughs> and speak in this preposterous way that makes you both think makes me think that they both get back to their hotel room at the end of the night and go, what the hell? So you're wasting people there. You're wasting Queen Zelina in something generic. I actually think Rhea Ripley's career is dead. I mm -hmm. think it shouldn't have been. And I think the one person who constantly gets buried but gets a pop and is always entertaining, and I don't speak for Corey, 
Graves here is Carmella. I actually think she's the dark horse here. I don't mean in terms of winning, but if you look at reaction, crowd heat, ability to be good and bad, ability to be engaging, our truth, there's the person who gets buried. The rest of the people in here have all, but look, Sasha Banks is soiling herself in this too. But I, I just think all these things that they're doing with the women, it's sort of back when the Bella twins got their three seconds and it's give women a chance. I think that new hashtag should be um, actually make them work and not just pop up with a microphone and stare at Becky Lynch. Not good enough for me. Yeah. And I, we didn't talk much about Shayna Baszler, but my goodness, she's a legit uh, one of the four horsewomen yep. of MMA. And she's sitting there being Sonia Deville's muscle when Sonia Deville is also an MMA fighter who could, you know, if she wanted. Uh, and she house- was killing people last week, putting them in the hospital and breaking their arms. And now she's essentially in the Andre the Giant Memorial Tournament. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, what a mess. And as well as, again, we'll move swiftly on from the Survivor Series matches and we'll talk about RK Bro uh, taking on the SmackDown Tag Team Champions and that face down of titles, the Usos. Uh, this one is interesting, uh, Dan, because I'm just the breakup of RK Bro is inevitable. It's maybe a question as to whether it'll be Randy or whether it'll be uh, Riddle, or I should say Randy, but that's the big question. The Usos probably have to win this, but I almost think, Dan, if you want to get RK Bro to WrestleMania, which WWE is lazy, that's probably what they should do, they should actually let RK Bro win here and f- kind of take us off the scent of that inevitable breakup. Yeah, okay. I mean, they should win. Has I'm just trying to think. Has has either team referenced the other team on television? They did. Are they some even stuff. talking about this match? Yeah, they did a thing on Raw, and I don't blame you for not remembering this. Where Riddle ran in when the Usos were beating up Biggie, and yes, Randy I'm ripped sorry. him aside and said, "What are you doing? Don't worry about Biggie. We have to worry about our own stuff." So they they did that, which is honestly more than I can say for all but the Becky and uh, the Charlotte program, and maybe Biggie. So this is technically the third biggest. Pro program on the card. Okay, and the and the, the the next match we're going to talk about is is even guilty of that even more, more so. so. But, yeah. but going back to um, right, uh, I could see that. Will they wait till they really should wait to Mania? But you you, you never know with this company. They yeah, could they, they could have done a television match. Uh, Dan, you reminded me they could have done the Miz and John uh, Morrison, <laughs> and they yeah. kind of didn't, and then they just fired John Morrison no. recently. Ari, so uh, you I guess never we know like, for that much. Like. I wouldn't put it past me if if suddenly they blow it off RK Bro on an episode of Raw. Yeah. And that's it. And then they go their separate. Like, that wouldn't surprise me. Yep. Me either. Ari? Well, let's pick up from that because you had mentioned WrestleMania. It's two nights in AT&T Stadium. Mm-hmm. Now, how they get 225,000 people to buy a ticket whether it's COVID or not, 225,000 people, because I think it's The Undertaker that said, we're going to sell it out both nights. I'm sorry, RK Bro, and uh, or uh, that's not the mega powers breaking up. Uh, I'm not that keen or interested in that match. I think they're both great, by the way. I think Riddle, as annoying as he is, is annoying in sort of a good way. He's different. He's unique. He can go in the ring. I wouldn't run down to the Scotiabank or whatever it's called now just if he was in the main event. But Randy Orton can have a good match with a phone book. So while I think it's a good match, it's sort of like the Steamboat Savage. It's not Mega Powers or WrestleMania interesting. To me, I think the Usos are great. Full disclosure, I think 
everything they do, except for when they're not actually on camera, it works. I mean, again, I don't like that Jimmy keeps his career drunk driving all over the place, but they're great. So that match, I actually think is a good match for four really good performers. But, you know, you were talking about the breakup. I think Daniel's point was the best point, which is that could be blown off on a raw in the third hour, which most people have tuned out for. And unadvertised. They won't. Yeah, yeah that's a great, but that's a very wise point. Yeah. Unadvertised, not led up to, which again goes back to my AEW point, which is I understand each match on a pay-per-view why these two people, men or women, by the way, Britt Baker's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Why these two people have been in the ring waiting for this shot for a month. And to Daniel's point, let him take over here, the Damian Priest, Shinsuke Nakamura thing, it just makes no sense other than somebody thinks United States title means something to me. It hasn't meant something to me since it was created. And the intercontinental title has essentially been meaningless since you and I were kids. And it was the elevation to the big title. Go ahead, Dan. Uh, Yeah, the U.S. title didn't mean or hasn't meant anything since... Cena had it in the spinner belt. That's the last time that I was like, only because it looked cool. Uh, and yeah, I mean, but so this has zero build, zero, literally. Like, they, I, I don't think either competitor has spoken about the other one, if nope. I'm not, if I'm right. So it is what it is. Uh, this is what they do. There's going to be a lot of, uh, see, another thing that AEW does not do, like Tony Khan does not have, if you've noticed that he does not have his champions lose on television for any reason and non-title matches. Uh, and here you're going to set this up for a lot of your champions are going to lose for no reason. This is a big flaw of, of this whole premise. Let, let me come That's back. Smart. I never thought of that. That's a very smart point. I never thought of that. Let me stay with this match. Cause I had an idea and it, it goes in a different direction. So I'll throw this out there. What's interesting with Shinsuke as I already alluded to is he's got this title and, you know, Shinsuke is happy to be there. He's having fun. It's not a big It's a deal. paycheck. Yeah, this is his, maybe his dream or maybe he's just whatever. But Priest is very, very interesting, right? Because he had the Bad Bunny program, which elevated him from a guy from NXT who Vince was probably going to destroy just out of spite to, oh, this guy's Puerto Rican. This guy's connected to a big celebrity. This angle is working. And then he got injured. And one of the best things that can happen to you in WWE, because it's such a badly booked promotion, is you get injured early in your career and you get a chance to come back. Like Tegan Knox, you know, she almost became a star. She was already a star in her ability. But because of the way she got injured and came back, she got to work with Brie Larson. She got to have these angles with Dakota Kai. She very quietly was starting to create a path where she could have been a, a world champion if, you know, things had gone differently. So I'm looking at Priest and I'm thinking about the Royal Rumble. And when I start to shortlist people I think could win the Royal Rumble, Damian Priest is at the top of my list because this is a guy who can do it. He ticks off a demographic box. He's fresh because of an injury. And a lot of this is just right place, right time. But and the guy is, you know, a a rookie in his late 30s who came to WWE. But I really and Shinsuke was the version of this many years ago when he won the Royal Rumble and lost at Mania. I think they are, and they may change their mind because Vince will rip up a script last minute. This, despite the fact there's no effort, I think on some level they are thinking about Damian Priest. Uh, and I'll go to you first in this, Dan. 
as a potential Royal Rumble winner and a future world champion. I honestly think they think a lot of this guy, but they're just in no rush to do any of it. I hope you're right. I, I really like him. I really love Nakamura as well. Uh, but uh, yeah, Damian Priest seems for the moment uh, like somebody that they haven't messed up yet. And I hope that continues. I, I really like him and it does look like they are actually investing in him. And I hope that's true what you're saying. They kind of already ruined his entrance, Ari, but there's still hope. For me, the jury is out. Um, that means they're deliberating. Um, I see both sides of that. Uh, I, if you would have told me we're in November of 2021, if you would have told me in April of 2021, Cesaro is in one of the main events at WrestleMania with Seth Rollins, and seven months later, he's going to go back to being the jobber he should never have been. Damian Priest can go that way. Mm. or the Shinsuke Nakamura way where his music is cringeworthy now, that Boogs guy is more interesting than Nakamura. Mm. Or he can go the way that you and Daniel have mentioned. He's got the size, which mm. Mr. McMahon quite likes. He can talk. I think he's better when he's a little less scripted. I think sometimes mm. you can see him reading, which I think ruins it completely. I mean, <laughs> in my day job, when I see people reading, I'm always like, okay, my attention's gone. So I think you're both... I hope you're both right, because at the rate of these releases and getting rid of people, I thought Morrison should never have been released. Damian Priest has a lot of Morrison-like mm -hmm. qualities, and you know it could go one way or the other, so my jury's deliberating on him. And finally, Ari, you mentioned Cesaro. He is going to be part of this 25-man dual battle royal, which is literally thrown together at SmackDown as a throwaway thing with Sami Zayn and Sonya Deville. And I, I don't even know what this is for, but it's part of the 25 years of Survivor Series. It's a way to commemorate that, which is nice. Uh, Ricochet will be a part of it. T-Bar, Mansoor, Cesaro, as I mentioned, the Street Profits, Eric and Ivar. Uh, I almost called him Eric Ivar to channel uh, Adnan Verk for a second there. Drew Gulak, R-Truth, AJ Styles, almost Sami Zayn, as I mentioned. Los Lotharios, which is not crazy about that name yet. Uh, Apollo Crews, along with Commander Aziz. Otis and Chad Gable, Shelton Benjamin, Cedric Alexander, Dolph Ziggler, Robert Roode, Jinder Mahal, Shanky. Um, uh, this is interesting. By the way, when you said when you said Los Lotharios to the name, uh, I just think it's too much like the Conquistadors. But please continue. They're uh, going to end up that way. Yeah, yeah that's probably. what I meant. Yeah, yeah. So uh, there's two thoughts I have when I look at this match. One, do you have some fun with Sami Zayn being screwed, whether it's everybody just eliminates Sami at the start of this, which would be somewhat hilarious. And then on, on sort of a grander point, what kind of spots can you do? Because I see Chad Gable's name and Shelton Benjamin's name side by side. And we all remember the WWE draft where they gave you the draft order side by side when they released the names. Um, so I guess, Dan, what are you looking for in this match that kind of will, pro uh, will probably be in the pre-show, let's be honest. Oh, you think? Oh, maybe it'll be on the pre-show. Uh, so. That's unfortunate. And to, and to clarify, it's 25 years of The Rock's debut. Okay, thank you. It was not going to be on the show anyways. Um, but it, but I guess it's it's going to be a traditional battle royal where all 25 of them start in the ring at once. Yep. So in those cases, you can't do very much for the first few minutes because it's just a cluster. Hmm. And then, you know, you'll, you'll whittle it down to a handful of people, including... Uh, Maybe Sammy, either he'll go first or he'll last, but then, or he'll last for a bit. He's certainly not going to win, but you're, you're, who do you have? Like, uh, I don't know who's going to win this. Uh, it, it's another thing. Like, even if whoever wins, it's not going to matter. Cesaro won the Andre the Giant 
battle royal at one point that has done nothing for him. Uh, so I don't know. I, I wish a lot of these people didn't have to be in this match, like Robert Rude, for example. Yeah. The only thing I can think of, Ari, looking at this list as Dan was talking, is maybe you reinvigorate Ricochet. I don't know what you can do with it. Well, it's Ari. funny because Dan picked up on uh, somebody I was looking at in your list there. Robert Rude, to me, incredibly and gloriously wasted. Yep. Uh, mm. Dolph Ziggler, um, I think the greatest unused, misunderstood, yeah. un- underbooked performer that in the right year of Hamanish kind of things. I think could be a main event. And we've probably said that 10 years going now, the guy doesn't age. Uh, his body fat is still less than zero. Still great on the mic. Never gets a shot at it. When he gets his 30 seconds to come up to Kayla or whoever there, he makes it count. But to the point of why I hate this, because when you do this, you are saying to the WWE universe, these are losers. Yep. These are the losers that belong there they don't deserve a match now 20 years ago for your audience Bilal who knows how the payouts were done in WWE if you didn't get on the actual pay-per-view that people paid for you didn't get a payout anybody who understands payout google what happened with nails and Vince McMahon if you want to really understand payout okay This is not that day and age, which is how they're paid. Now, I don't know that I'm right. I have no inside knowledge, but these are people that are on contracts. If there were 25 guys that by being on the Peacock Network, which is subscription, it's not a pay-per-view, got an extra $12,000 or $15,000 for being in the match for 10 minutes, muzzle tov to them. This, to me, is just saying to the audience, we're done with all these guys. They've all been demoted. And I think that's demoralizing to talent, even though Ricochet will do something unbelievably amazing. And let me end with this. As far as I'm concerned, 24 people should come down to the ring. Then Sami Zayn should come down to the ring. And the other 24, maybe with Dolph and Cesaro as an exception, but the other 24 should say, we're all leaving. Sami Zayn deserves this. He's never not entertaining. He's never not good in the ring. And if you look at the material he does and the way he delivers it, there is a main event person buried in the body and voice of an undercarder. And that's how I would book it. Yeah, incredibly well said. You know, the scariest thing about this is I look at these names and I think of the WWE cuts and I'm thinking uh, of these 25 men, how many of them are going to lose their jobs in the next year? And the answer might be half of them. You know, the WWE's cut, I think, somewhere between 70 and 80 employees this year. I feel like much like yeah. we look at last year's Survivor Series and Lana coming away from the women's Survivor Series match as the lone survivor with her program with Nia Jax, both of who don't even work with WWE anymore. Um, we're going to be definitely looking at this match as um, a case of that. Uh, Dan, Ari, a pleasure to have you both. And Ari, me and Dan do this all the time, but very, very special to have you as part of this and just get your perspective on it. And hey, now I'm mentally prepared for when I will inevitably be wrong about this stuff. So I always appreciate chatting with you guys before and thank you both for this. Great to be on with you. And I hope I'm wrong. And this is a pay-per-view as they call it pay-per-view. Nobody's paying to view it, but I, I, I hope I'm wrong and that it pleasantly surprises everybody. But I just think it's... Um... In a battle with AEW right now where competition is always great, this doesn't seem like they want to compete. Dan, last word to you. 
I think Omos is going to win that battle royal, now that I think of it. <laughs> Thank you for listening. Never Sleeps Network. This has been a Never Sleeps Network production, executive produced by Alex Ross. For more information and content, visit NeverSleepsNetwork.com. Never Sleeps Network.